Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. So this Thursday um, and, and this coming Sunday, thousands upon thousands of people are going to be gathering together as a crowd to be entertained by some NFL football. Football's back. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Crowds gather for entertainment. That's true, right? That, that when you go to a, a, a theater production or you go to the movies or you go uh, to a sporting event, crowds gather for a reason. Uh, but also crowds gather for different reasons. They go to conferences. People go to conferences to try and improve on something or learn something new and take action that will change their lives. And other people gather, crowds gather, sometimes because of a spectacle. Like a spectacle kind of like last year's Bluffton car show. Let me take you back. So Sarah and I are there. We're walking around looking at cars because that's what you do. At car shows, right? And all of a sudden, we witnessed something that gathered some attention. Uh, so there was this man sit, like sitting in front of his car, nice car, sitting in front of his car. And there was uh, another guy and his friend in a different vehicle. And he was trying to pull in to that area so that he could, you know, put his car on display in the parking lot and all that. And um, so the guy, you know, these, this is between three people who, if you could say it like this, um, in the lap of life, they were in turn four. Okay? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right? Okay. That's a nice way of saying it. So uh, this man, apparently, to the people who were in the car, the, the man who was sitting in front of a car, he wasn't getting out of the way in time, in, in, in a timely manner. And this man who uh, was sitting in the car, decided he would um, just just nudge the guy with his vehicle. Ran him over, right? And he like stopped, and then the guy got up, and he was, he got up quick, y'all. He did not need that cane for a minute. And then he, he started yelling at the guy in the car, as you would, right? And uh, I think he threw a right hand, and then the guy in the car tried to run, like just go more. And so like I almost witnessed... A homicide by vehicle. And, and then, okay, so he's just parking like four cars down from the guy. Great recipe for the rest of the day, right? So the guys get out of the vehicle and the guy who got ran over was ab- obviously mad. He got his cane and he walked over to those guys and was raising it like he was going to beat them down with the cane. As all this is happening, I'm one of those people who walked toward the, the thing. And I was trying to talk the guy with the cane down from beating to death this other guy who tried running him over with the car. Sometimes crowds gather because of a spectacle. Crowds gather for a reason. Now, where we're at in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 4, crowds were gathering and flocking to Jesus, not because of a spectacle, but because people were coming to him from all the areas of uh, Galilee and their lives were being changed before their very eyes. Jesus was healing people of diseases and sicknesses and people from all walks of life were coming to be uh, flocking to Jesus to hear from him, to be changed by him because he was doing something amazing. It wasn't because of entertainment. 
It wasn't because of a spectacle. It was because they were seeing transformation happen before their very eyes. There were people like you and me. People who were confused. They flocked to Jesus. People who were scared about the future. Scared about their situation. They were going to Jesus. People who were stuck or feeling broken were going to Jesus. And they were finding transformation. And here's what we're going to see, I believe, in this passage. And this is why it's so important. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to see a, a greater picture, greater clarity on his purpose and his work through this passage. And that's important to us because when we see the purpose and work of Jesus with clarity, then that means that we can have greater understanding of our purpose and our work in this life. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to see what Matthew records. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. And, and just uh, next week, we're going to be starting a new album in the book of Matthew as we start the Sermon on the Mount. So you won't want to miss that. But Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23, this is what Matthew records by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. We're going to stop there, but let me go back. Verse 23, now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. Teaching in their synagogues. Jesus began to teach. When he started his ministry, he began to teach people in the synagogues. Why did he teach? Because we've got some things to learn. All of us, each and every one of us, need to learn some things from Jesus. He's got some things to teach us. And and when you think about what Jesus taught, there's a lot. Um, in fact, there were four uh, gospel accounts, and, and it has a, a ton of content in there of what Jesus taught. And the rest of the New Testament is is an expansion of his teachings. Uh, but what Jesus began to teach, there's, there's a couple of really important things I want to highlight. The first thing that Jesus taught... Um, and we're going to learn more about this today, is the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew calls it, or as the other gospel writers refer to it as the kingdom of God. And in our American church situation, a lot of times we don't talk a lot about the kingdom. Instead, what we highlight most of all is Jesus's uh, death and resurrection and how that has an impact on our salvation from sin. And that's important. But Jesus also came to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And that is vitally important. And it's a big topic. And, and here's why Jesus taught this so much. And here's why it was pretty much his favorite topic to teach about. He told a story that gives us an idea of how important the kingdom of God is. He told a story of a man who was walking around in a field and, you know, he had a moment of nosiness. Not unlike some of y'all, right? He's walking around town, peeking in people's living rooms. I wonder how they designed that. I wonder how they set that up over there. You know, some of you will nosy, right? Uh, and so this, this guy, he was walking around in the field and he starts looking and, and he found this treasure that was hidden. He found a treasure that was hidden in this, in this field and, and like he saw it, opened it, looked at it. It was exciting. It was amazing. It was like way more than he had ever seen before. And so he didn't steal it. No, he didn't do that. Right. Some of you, like, that's what you just thought that he was going to do. Says something about your heart. I'm just kidding. Sinner. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
joke, okay? Lighten up, people. All right, so the guy, he, he's, he sees this treasure and he leaves and he, he goes back home and he gets all of his stuff. He's like, all right, Facebook Marketplace, take the picture, post it. I need to sell everything I've got. He calls up his realtor. Hey, we need to list the house now because I've got a deal I need to make. So he goes and he sells all of his stuff, sells everything. And then he goes to the owner of this field and says, hey, I want to buy your field, man. I, I really want to buy it. And so he buys the field and Jesus says that the hidden treasure that the man found is the kingdom of God. It's like the kingdom of God. So basically what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is so important, so valuable, so worthy of our lives that that it's so important that when you get it, when you see it, when you understand it, it is worth everything you've got to take hold of it. Like it's, it's worth your whole life. It's worth everything you've got, everything you've worked hard for. The kingdom of God is better and worth your investment. That is what he described the kingdom of God. We're going to learn more about that here in a minute. But uh, another thing that Jesus taught is this new way of life, this way of living that is uh, characterized by what God desires for us. There was a man who asked uh, Jesus, hey, what's the most important commandment? In the law of Moses, what's the most important one? Like, there's a lot of them. There's like 600 of them. What's the most important one? And Jesus said, oh, that's simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he added another one. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And later, Jesus would uh, redefine that and say, love your neighbor as I have loved you. And so Jesus would, would describe all of this and what that means. And, and when we get into the Sermon on the Mount, which begins next week, um, we're going to start to become apprentices under Jesus where we learn what it really looks like to love God, to love people in our daily walk with him. And so Jesus was very big on, on giving us a picture of what uh, life is supposed to be like. And, and really to boil it all down, it means that our life is, is designed to be worshiping God, to bring glory to him, to honor him, and to love him. And so Jesus taught because we have some things to learn, and it's good news for us because a lot of us and a lot of the people in our world right now are confused. We're we're confused about stuff, right? We're confused about why we're in the situation we're in. We're confused about why we didn't get that job. We're confused about why those relationships seem to dwindle. We're confused about why we feel the way that we do. We're confused about what what is going on in the world. We're confused about um, why they don't like us or why um, this is not working out how I thought it would be. A lot of us are confused. And what I want us to understand is that that Jesus may not give you the exact answer that you're, you're, you're seeking. Him for like, hey, Jesus, here's the thing. I got, I got a yes or no question. I need you to just give me a yes or give me a no. I don't need anything else, just a yes or a no. Sometimes Jesus doesn't just give you uh, the specific answer to the specific question that you're trying to get, but he gives you something better. He gives you understanding. He gives you proper understanding about how to see the world and about how to see your priorities and about how to see what God is doing in the midst of this earth and in the midst of your life. He gives us understanding. This is so important because a proper understanding of the way the world works and the way uh, God is working in the midst of that, a proper understanding leads to a proper perspective. And a proper perspective helps us to prioritize the right things in our life. And not to prioritize secondary things as primary things and lead us to become unloving and unkind and unmerciful. 
And so Jesus gives us something so valuable and so important, and that's what he started doing in his ministry, is teaching in the synagogues. But he didn't stop there. Matthew records for us in verse 23 something else Jesus did. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He was preaching the good news of the kingdom. So the kingdom of God, as I've already said, is a very important topic to Jesus and is a very broad topic and very big piece of our faith. And, and it's so big that sometimes it can be hard to understand what exactly it means. So what I'm going to try and do um, is to boil it down a little bit and make it more digestible. Okay, so the kingdom of God in a very simple sense, in a very, uh, it's, it's, it's simple to say, but it's amazing in, in its uh, breadth and depth of impact in our lives. The, the kingdom of God is God's rule on earth as he does in heaven. Is, is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is God's rule and reign over his people. So what does Jesus tell us to pray that we're going to see in the Sermon on the Mount? We've talked about it before. Um, Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer to, to pray that his kingdom would come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so uh, God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus Christ, to come down. Remember, Christ means king, the anointed one. So King Jesus comes down, and he is the one who rules and reigns over his people. He came to establish a people. We call it the church. We call it the body of Christ. We call it the family of God. We call it the kingdom of God. And so you and I, if you surrender to Jesus, you're part of this kingdom, and the one who rules and reigns over us and gives us direction, protection, and guidance is King Jesus. And so Jesus works over and in his kingdom people. So you and I are uh, the, the people that Jesus is over. And so any kingdom has a king and it has people and also has territory. So wherever you go, wherever the church is, wherever believers are, we are colonies of heaven here on earth. So we are representations of our king and his kingdom. So his kingdom is here but it's also coming in its fullness when he returns and establishes uh, his rule and reign in the new heavens and new earth in Revelation 21. I'm giving a lot to you, but this is what Jesus is here to do, to give us a new way of life, a new way of living. We're a part of a citizenship of heaven. We are part of a new group. We do things in a different way. And so King Jesus rules and reigns over us and then gives us direction for our lives. And as we follow him... We are a testimony, a light in a dark world to show the goodness of our king. And here's what the king does. A good king is benevolent and good. And what our king does is he's all powerful. And because he's all powerful, that means he has no enemy that can defeat him. And here's what a good king does. He defeats the oppressors and releases the oppressed. And and, and we see this in this passage, how Jesus came healing every disease and sickness. So he is establishing his kingdom, his rule and reign over the earth and all over sickness and death because sin brought in death and sickness is never a part of God's design. Sin is what brought that in. So every disease and sickness, Jesus is healing it as a testimony of his power and goodness and what the kingdom of God is like. Are you following with me? So he, he defeats the oppressor and releases the oppressed, right? And his kingdom people, that's who he's going to do that for. So if you surrender to Jesus, want the, the biggest oppressor that you and I have 
as human beings is death, is sin. And we are in bondage to sin and death without hope, without Jesus. We, we don't have hope to defeat that. But here's the cool thing. Jesus loves us enough and is powerful enough that he went to the cross on our behalf to do battle with Satan, to do battle with sin, to do battle with death. And when he went down into Hades, into death, he was only there for a short amount of time. And then he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And and here's the good news. Not only is King Jesus powerful enough to defeat death himself for his own sake, But Jesus is so powerful that when you follow him, he defeats death for your sake as well. And so King Jesus is the one ruling and reigning over our lives. And he defeats the oppressor and he releases the oppressed. So now you and I walk in freedom from sin. If you are in Jesus, if you surrender to him. And then what we see is God's expectation for us as we live in this domain of darkness this world, but we are testimonies, we are, we are walking witnesses of the goodness and grace of Jesus, who is our king. Here's what we do as kingdom people. We sever our allegiances to all of the Caesars in the world. Here's what I mean. Why was Jesus killed? And why were his apostles martyred for, his, for him? Here's why. People killed Jesus not because he claimed to die and rise again. People, uh, because he would make these claims like, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. Like he would make these claims. Here's what the problem was. It wasn't because of that. The problem is because people called him Lord. That's why people didn't like him. That's the predominant reason why in the book of Acts, we see his apostles and disciples be killed for their faith. Why? Because they called Jesus of Nazareth Lord and not Caesar in Rome Lord. See, Caesar believed himself to be a deity and believed himself to need to be called Lord. So people could worship any religion that they wanted to in Rome as long as the Roman Empire approved it. And and Judaism was one of them. But ultimately, if you're in the Roman Empire, you've got to bow the knee most of all, first of all, Not to your God, but to Caesar. And Christians were followers of the way of Jesus. They declared Jesus as Lord, not Caesar. And so they were testimonies. They were walking witnesses of their king. And so they didn't live the same way as the Romans did. They didn't live the same way uh, as as the, the, the pagans did. They lived a different way. When people saw them, they looked at them like sometimes some of you got a dog at home. When they have hear a weird sound, they do one of these. You know what I'm talking about? What? People started looking at followers of Jesus like, what? And when people start looking at followers of Jesus like, that means we're making some headway. And so what we're called to do as kingdom people is we sever our allegiances to all the Caesars in the world. That means that our allegiance is not um, in, in Washington. Our allegiance is not in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or in some certain politician. But our allegiance is to Jesus. He is our king. He is our hope. He is our Lord. And so that means that as he follows after his father's will for him and as he establishes the kingdom, then we as his kingdom people start to follow his lead and we sever all of our allegiances to anything else 
any other idea, any other person, any other group. And we say we follow after King Jesus and our life aligns with what he calls us to do. And this is good news for all because this is what Jesus does is he doesn't just um, uh, rule and reign over us and, and release us from bondage. But this is good news because God's rule on earth means that he is the one now providing us direction, protection and justice. It's good to have a benevolent king if you're going to have a king. And Jesus is the one now, as followers of his, he is the one who for us is providing us direction, where to go, when to go, protection to free us from the oppressors and justice once and for all. In one word, he provides us this. In one word, it's hope. Hope. And that's good news for us because many of us are scared right now. And I know, like some of you, like you, you may not call it fear because it comes out in anger. But anger has something that is beneath it that causes you to be angry. And I think some of us, many of us, unfortunately, right now, are scared. We're, we're, we're scared about the future. We consider what the future might be, and we think it's, it's going to be worse than it is now. It's going to be worse than it has been in our lives. Some of us are scared of a current challenge that we're dealing with in our personal lives, and, and it feels overwhelming to us. Some of us are scared about what is or isn't happening in Washington, D.C., some of us are scared about the, the division, the amount of division that we see in our country. And we think about the future and we, we, we get worried about that because we see it. Some of us are scared about finances because costs keep rising and our, our income seems to stay the same or go down for many of us. Some of us are scared about a big decision we have looming in front of us. Some of us are scared about a lot of things, too many to be able to like just point to in one categorical thing. Some of us are scared out of our minds because we look at the future and, and we've forgotten the source of our hope. And, and I understand, like I understand the reasons to be scared and the reasons to be worried about the future, and I get it. But I want you to understand, Jesus sees you. He hears you. He knows what you're worried about. And he wants to comfort you. He wants to give you the hope that he came to give you. He understands your fears. I know that some of us are scared and confused. You're just not sure if you can keep on going. I've seen it, right? Like I've seen what happens in someone's life. When you've lost hope, when you've lost a perspective that, that anything can change in the future. I've seen what happens to people when, when they, they just throw up their hands and say, it's going to be worse and I can't do anything about it. And I've got no ability to change anything. It's just going to keep on going downhill from here and eventually it's going to crash. And here's the thing. Knowing the right answer is not always the answer. Letting that answer fill your heart and shape your actions is what really makes the difference. Y'all, I, I know some of us right now are like, can I keep on going with the way I see things going? I want to show you someone. Um, her name is Julie Wilson. Um, her, she's a widow now, 
her husband was a pastor and a preacher. I was able to connect with him a couple of times, just online, never met him in person. But he was always a very encouraging, filled with kind of life kind of guy, at least it seemed to be. Um, and I think yeah, that's really how he was. But um, about three years ago, he took his own life. And that's his wife and his two boys. And as she posted this on Instagram this week, I just felt like it was so important for me to share it with you because some of you might resonate with some of the things that she's been through and some of you might resonate with what she says. Um, and this is, so this is what she says. This time three years ago, I was a wife and mama of two boys, ages two and four, living in Southern California after a cross-country move from my home state of Tennessee. I couldn't have known then that in just a few weeks I'd be navigating the heartbreaking realities that come with losing someone to suicide. It's a wild thing, becoming the widow, or for my kids, the fatherless overnight. You don't imagine planning your spouse's funeral at 27 with a toddler on each side of you. But that's exactly where I found myself without any warning. Those beginning days were long, they were hard, and I couldn't help but wonder if God chose the wrong girl to walk this seemingly impossible road because all I had to offer was a broken heart and endless questions that seemed to have no answers. Thankfully, in God's unfailing goodness, that's all he asked of me. He didn't mind the questions and he never doubted his plan, even when I wondered if his promises of abundant life were still meant for someone like me. He welcomed those broken pieces that once resembled a heart and crafted them into something different, something better. It started to beat stronger. It was more open. It loved people differently, not in spite of the pain it endured, but because of it. It has been 1,087 days since my world changed, and although there's still so much I'll never understand and questions I wish my boys never had to ask, I can tell you this with full confidence. Life looks nothing like I imagined it would, but... God continues to be everything he promises to be. He's a worthy pursuit, friends. You can trust him with your heart. He has been so insanely kind and intentional with mine. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and although I don't have the answers to all the problems going on in your world, I want you to know that your life matters. Your hurt matters. You're not a burden. You're not unlovable. You're more than your mistakes. You're more than your greatest achievements. You're unconditionally loved by a God who isn't afraid of the messiest places of your heart. And you're loved by me too. Struggling? Reach out. Talk to someone. I'm so glad you're still here. Suicide Prevention Lifeline number 988. Whenever I saw what happened about three years ago, I couldn't help but feel very, very sad as you would, right? But also because he and I are close in age. He's got two little ones at home. He's got a, he's got a wife. And he's a pastor. He's supposed to be one of the ones with some of the answers. The perspective. The understanding. But sometimes, like I know, life gets so overwhelming that sometimes we're just like, I don't know if I can keep going. And I want you to know, like, it's not just simply knowing the right answers. It's allowing God to meet you in the midst of your hardship and mend your heart, and it might take a while. 
It might take some time. But he loves you and he cares for you. And this is the cool thing, y'all. Because of Jesus, we have a kingdom people and we've got a king as well. We're part of the kingdom of God. And that's why this is so good news is that you're not left to do life alone. You have a benevolent king who is loving, who is good, who is powerful, who invites you to come to him. All of us who are weary and heavy burden, and he's going to give us rest. But it might be in the middle of some hardship. But it's not that. It's not just that. It's also that, and this is where a lot of us miss it, he gave us people around us, right? He didn't just call us into salvation and bring us into heaven right away. He brought us into his kingdom people, his church, his family, his body, his bride, so that you and I can have each other when we feel like there's no way out, when we feel like there's no hope, when we feel like the world is crashing in on us. Friends, you are going to have things in your life that are far greater than you can handle. It's a lie that that God won't give you more than you can handle. The things that you might have that are more than you can handle may not be directly from the hand of God, but, but you will go through stuff in this life that is more than you can deal with or at least deal with in a healthy way. And we need each other. If you're struggling, we need each other. You need to open up to someone who's safe, who loves you, and can point you to Jesus in those moments. So I know we're, some of us are scared, and maybe you don't feel like you're at that point, but some people are. And even if you're not at that point, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. God still will meet you in the midst of your fears. So Jesus brings understanding. He brings Hope, but he also does this. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He was healing every sickness and disease among the people. There was no sickness or disease or or, uh, ailment that, that was too powerful for him to be able to heal. He was able to heal all of them and is able to heal all of them. Now that doesn't mean that he's always gonna heal you or your family member when you have an ailment. He can and he has the power to do and he might. But even if he doesn't, understand he's healing all things and especially sin and death and darkness and he's going to allow you to be freed from that for all of eternity and that is hope and that is good news. And in the process of us going through this thing called life, even in the midst of us having moments where we don't feel like God is working, he is even healing in those moments. Like even now, the Holy Spirit is working and Jesus is healing our hearts. He he has the power to do it. You have to let him. You have to let him. You have to let him come into your life and transform you. Some of these things that are the barriers between you and other people, the emotions, your inability to deal with them, your inability to communicate, your inability to to be able to uh, express what you're feeling, those are the deeper layers of discipleship that Jesus wants to affect in your life. He wants you to bring him your grief, your sadness, your anger, your frustration, and he is uh, able to walk with you to heal you. But you've got to let him transform you. Because I know some of us, we've got broken bodies, we've got, broken, um, we've got some sin-stained wounds in our life, we've got some broken perspectives and broken priorities, we've got some stuff that's broken, we feel sometimes stuck, and I just need you to know that Jesus can heal you if you let him. He can walk with you through it if you let him. And that is really 
good news for those of us who feel a little broken. So what else does he say? He goes on, verses 24 to 25, Matthew says, Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics. And he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Y'all, people flocked to Jesus because he was transforming lives because he was bringing them something they didn't have prior. He was healing them. He was doing mighty works. He was teaching them. And he was giving them hope that they hadn't heard before. He was giving them hope that they needed. And Jesus still does that today. And people flocked to him. I just, I just need us to understand, like, that can happen still today. That can happen still today where people flock to Jesus because he's changing people's lives. And it begins with us as his transformed and being transformed people doing what we're called to do. And here's the good news because King Jesus gives us what we need. Jesus brings us understanding, hope, and transformation. Jesus brings us understanding, hope, and transformation. Jesus brings us understanding. So when we see what's happening in the world, when we see how things are happening and see, see the, the trajectory or we try to anticipate the trajectory, it gives us perspective. Jesus allows us to, to not lose our wits about us, to be able to be grounded in what his truth is and what his direction is and what his protection is. He allows us to be understanding and be theologically, uh, present and accurate in how we understand what's going on in the world. See, church, friends, there are many Christians right now in the, in the Western world, especially in our country right now, that instead of loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us, we've bought into the idea that it's most important to fight to be able to get a point across or to be able to meet this moment for what it is. Right now, in our, in our world right now, especially in America, Christians all over or people who claim to know Christ are, are using one passage as their be all, end all. They, they love to talk about Jesus flipping over tables in the temple. Say, even Jesus, oh yeah, I know you say love God, love people, oh that's fine and dandy, but, but even Jesus got to a point where it was too much. He had enough and he went into the temple and started flipping tables. And here's the thing, we use that as an excuse to fight people and argue with people and demean people and hate people. And here's the truth, what we need to understand is if we brought in the understanding of Jesus, we would understand theologically speaking, the accurate way of reading that text would be to understand that you and I are now the temple of God, that you and I are now the people of God who him, this, we are the place in which he dwells and no longer is the tr- temple in Jerusalem or needed at all, but you and I are the temple. And so what we should understand that to mean is that we should be more concerned about what Jesus sees in our hearts versus society's hearts. Maybe we should start there if we want to see change in the world, maybe we should start there. And maybe Jesus knew what he was doing when he called us to be a people who were different, who loved when it wasn't easy, who loved even our enemies. And aren't we so glad because now we have the understanding of Jesus and the way our king rolls. 
We understand that when we were contrary to God's law, when we were contrary to God's intentions, when we were not the people who loved God, he loved us and sent his son to die for us so that we could be saved, so that we could be set free, so that we could be transformed into his people of hope. Aren't you so glad that God did that for you? So may we, with the understanding of Jesus, not let ourselves fall into the trap of believing that our allegiance to a political party or to a politician or to what happens in Washington, D.C. or doesn't or to what happens in our country or doesn't has any bearing, has any influence on what you're called to do as people who follow after King Jesus, who even his enemies he came to save and to love and to call to something greater. That's what you and I are called to do, friends. So we are people who have understanding. So we look at the world and we see everyone losing their ever-loving minds. And we take a deep breath. And we recognize that our calling is still the same. Our calling is still to love people. Even when it gets hard. And it's when it gets hardest that people see the impact that Jesus has in us the most when we can see him. And I, I get it. Like some of you, like the reason you, you've been struggling with hope is because your understanding of what the world, you're not going to Jesus enough for your understanding. You're not going to Jesus enough for being taught. You're, you're listening to the news way too much. You're listening to talk radio way too much. You're listening to all these political pundits who are trying to stoke fear and anger in you and you're losing your hope in Jesus. And I just have to say, friends, we need to go to our king for understanding. If they want to stoke that up, let it be. But you, not you. Not you, not me. We are to be people of hope who call people to Jesus. No one needs more of what they've been sold. They need more of what Jesus is offering. So as his transformed people, then then let us consider what it looks like. What would it mean For us to be a people who are the kingdom people of God, what would it look like for us to do, be the hands and feet of Jesus and to go and do things that would point people to him, that would cause people to flock to him once again? I believe it can happen, but here's the question. As his transformed and being transformed people, you and I, if you follow Jesus, this is you, how much of your perspective has been shaped by what he's saying. As people who are full of hope, the hope of what God is doing and is going to do, how much hope are we offering? What kind of perspective are we giving people? What kind of hope are we showing in our own lives? Because it begins there. And I say all this stuff and I, I get loud and, I, and I'm talking about politics again. I'm sorry, but I say it because I love you. Jesus loves you and wants you to have understanding, hope, and transformation. It's not going to happen from the world. It's going to happen from him. If you want to be transformed more into the image of God than you are today. See, I see a day when people flock to Jesus again. 
But, but that will not happen until his people, you and I, sever our allegiances to Caesars of this world and we start to follow after him with everything we've got, with everything that we are. And if he tells us to love people, well, you don't know Jesus, you don't know this person, you don't know what they believe, you don't know what they think. No, no, no. He knows. And he loves them too. And he knew the wild stuff you used to do. <laughs> and he knows the wild things you've been doing. And the wild things that have been in your mind. Those anger fantasies, he knows about them. He knows about it all. And he still loves you. And he still loves me. And that's good news. Friends, you are his witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what he told his apostles. Well, you and me, we are his witnesses. In Bluffton, Wells County, in Indiana, to the ends of this earth. So, may we bring something to them that Jesus has brought us. Because Jesus brings us understanding, hope, and transformation. May people look at us and may they see hope through it. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, are grateful for your love and your grace and the fact that you brought us here together to hear from your word and to learn from you. God, we're, we're grateful that when Jesus started his ministry, he, he didn't just say, here's how to go to heaven. But he brought understanding. He, he did bring hope of the, his kingdom. But that, that doesn't have to wait until we die. But we can start now because we are your kingdom people. That is amazing. And, and it should be so humbling to us. It's humbling to me. I don't understand why you would look at me and say, uh, you, you be on my team. <laughs> but you have. And you've said that about many of the people in this room. And we're so grateful for that. God, help us to be your people in a time that really needs your people to be your people. God, may we be dealers of hope, not hope stealers. May we point people to you, not to an elephant or a donkey, but to the lamb. May we restore our own allegiances to you. May we restore our own hope in you. May we restore a better understanding of what you're doing in us and what you want to do through us and what you're doing in the world and that we can trust that you have got it all in your hands. And change us, Lord, because we've got plenty of things that we still need to surrender to you. I know I do. So please search us and know us. And show us every way in us that is not in line with you and change us. Please hear us as we sing to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.